0: who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group text Just News to 989898 98 98 right now Hello America and happy Wednesday lots of big news breaking overnight one of my favorite stories is the connection between a little notice action that President Barack Obama took in 2009 and the raid literally 13 years later, on former President Donald Trump's home in Mar-a-Lago, Florida. There was an executive order change. It took away the presumption that a former president continued to have say over his executive privilege, over things that happened while he was in office long after. Barack Obama usurped that privilege and said, it's mine. It's the incumbent president's, kind of taking us back to the Watergate era. But it was that executive order still in order, still in place, because Donald Trump didn't change it. That ultimately allowed Joe Biden to waive the privilege and give the FBI a start on the criminal investigation of Joe Biden's opposition party leader, Joe Biden's chief rival for the 2024 presidential election. Check that story out, all the details, all the facts, including the actual executive orders and some great interviews, including with Alan Dershowitz, all included in that story. That's a real big one today. Now, we've got a great show today. I'm really excited, and I want to take a look at some of the bigger news stories that are out there today in a second. But first, let's get the lineup down because we've got a good one. First up, the one, the only Newt Gingrich, the former Speaker of the House, former presidential candidate, one of the most important thinkers in the last half century of conservative thought. Newt Gingrich is here. We're going to talk elections, the raid on President Trump's home, the state of the FBI, the role of the Biden presidency in sicking law enforcement, on his chief rival, all of that's going to come up in their conversation. And then we're going to take you out to Oregon. I've been saying this merely from the beginning of the year that keep an eye on Oregon, folks. It might tip red. Well, the Oregon governor's race has just been moved from leaning Democrat to toss up the reason why there's a very dynamic female Republican candidate. Her name is Christine Drazen. She is doing really, really well. She's connecting. She's focused on school safety and making things cheaper. School safety, making things cheaper. Three very simple issues that seem to matter a lot in the polling and what Americans are telling us. Really important to see that. Well, Christine is joining us today. We're so lucky to have her on the show. She's going to tell us why she's connecting with everyday voters, what the everyday voters of Oregon want. How a red Republican can win in a purple to blue state like Oregon. What's going on in our schools, in our cities, and in our wallets is really the driving issues of this election. Two great guests, back to back. Newt Gingrich, followed by Christine Drazen, the Oregon gubernatorial nominee. You're going to love both of those. All right, before we go to break, I have decided to take on some of the false reporting, some of the smearing that has been going on the last three or four days by dishonest, unethical, Journalists who aren't even following their own recipe, their own requirements for ethical journalism. And I start off with the Daily Beast, where I used to be a news editor. I actually was a senior executive at the Daily Beast and Newsweek back in the day when it was a little more respectful. Well, over the last 24 hours, their media writer, Justin Sowen, Baroga, Baraga, something like that, he wrote a story suggesting that, oh my God, I tried to write a story to help Donald Trump and it backfired. I'm sorry, but I didn't write any story to help or hurt any candidate. It's not what I do. I write stories because one, they're factual. Two, they seem to be important to the American public. And three, they contribute to the knowledge of readers so they can make up their own mind, right? That's all. That's the only reason I write it. But Justin has this twisted idea that reporters actually try to help candidates and hurt candidates. And the answer is not real journalists, at least not this one. So I put this into perspective. First off, I explained to him that I wrote the story because it was accurate, true, and important to the public. And I know it became important news because every major news organization in America, including the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, the Washington Post, CBS, ABC, NBC, all covered it and quoted us. Now, there's one news agency that covered it but didn't give me credit. It's Fox News. Kind of insulting, and here's why. I actually broke this story as a favor to my good friend, Sean Hannity. I actually went on his show right after we put it up on Just the News. I actually gave Fox News first dibs. But when they finally confirm it and write their own story, they don't credit the reporter who broke it, even though almost every other news organization did it. And oh, by the way, it's what you're supposed to do. It's what we do at Just the News. We give people credit when they break a story. So just to remind you about that Fox News thing. It's why so many people are growing frustrated with the network. But let's get back to Justin Broga. It's more important. The Daily Beast, Justin Broga. All right. I didn't write it for any other reason than it was newsworthy. And it was so newsworthy that the National Archives agreed to release the memo so other reporters can match what I was doing. I'm very appreciative of that since they were instrumental in helping me get this story. That's the first thing. Secondly, the reporter believes that, oh, my God, John Solomon broke some news that was damaging to Donald Trump because the letter that he put out there actually said that there was top secret compartmentalized intelligence inside the Mar-a-Lago home. There was, but it wasn't news on the day I wrote it. You know why? It was news a whole week earlier. This reporter is so poorly informed, so poorly researched, I guess he didn't even do Google, that he didn't realize that on August 13, Democratic Congressman Adam Schiff and Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney, who by the way lost last night in her primary in New York, they sent a letter pointing out that there was TSCI intelligence in there. This was old news as it related to the archives letter. The news in the archives letter was that President Biden had waived President Trump's assumed privilege and started the investigation by giving the FBI documents. They basically opened the door to the criminal investigation so that the FBI could investigate Joe Biden's chief rival for the 2024 presidential race, at least assumed as it is. So he's wrong about that. But let's remind one more thing about folks. The Daily Beast was one of those news organizations that was chronically, embarrassingly, almost SNL jokingly like, wrong on the Russia collusion story. They bought the crap of the industrial intelligence complex hook, line, and sinker, the Christopher Steele crap, the the Hillary Clinton crap. Pardon my French, but it really was crap. And I'll just give you one example. In December of 2018, about four or five months before The Mueller report came out. And by the way, after I began reporting that Mueller had cleared President Trump of Russia collusion, yes, the Daily Beast, Justin's actual employer, two reporters, Max Bergen and Sam Berger, I don't know where they came from, but they might want to go back and check their notebooks. Well, they wrote a headline that said, Mueller is telling us he's got Trump on collusion. Mueller is telling us he's got Trump and collusion. It was written on December 7th, 2018. I know that headline was wrong at the time because I had great contacts inside the Mueller investigation. And they told me what actually came out in the report. There was no evidence of collusion. So Daily Beast, before you let your media reporters smear a good and hardworking group of people at Just the News, maybe you should get your own house in order and get actual factual stories together. You're a disgrace when you throw stones in a glass house. And by the way, your record of journalism isn't worthy of having the moral superiority to take a shout at the folks at Justin News who are doing honest, good reporting. That's all I have to say on that. All right, let's take a quick commercial break. When we come back, let's have a lot of fun and have a conversation with former House Speaker Newt Gingrich. After that, Christine Drazen, the Republican who's catching everybody's attention because she has put the Oregon governor's race Into a competitive state, Republicans have a chance to make Oregon red in November. That has everybody, including the mainstream media, talking about it. We're going to introduce you to the woman behind that extraordinary, extraordinary story. So take a quick commercial break. Hear from our great sponsors, our great advertisers, our great partners. And we'll be right back after this. (laughs) Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year. And then the inflation data came out. who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 98 98 right now. Hey folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. Last night, the last major round of primary elections, and we've got to start thinking about the fall election. No better person to put the right perspective in our minds than the former Speaker of the United States House and a good friend of the show, Newt Gingrich. Mr. Speaker, great to have you on, sir.
1: Well, it's always great to be with you, and I just want to start by telling everybody who's listening what an amazing job Just the News has been doing and that you personally have been doing on getting to the bottom of the deep state's most recent effort to frame and, I think, smear Donald Trump. And the stuff you're unearthing is just astonishing.
0: Well, thank you. It is greatly appreciated. And we just got to keep telling the truth. The Americans are starved for truth, so we just got to keep giving it to them. And that's why we have this show and why we're so lucky to have you on today. Interesting set of primaries last night. We kind of have the fall lineup now. Both parties are ready to go in. I'd like to get your perspective as the man who orchestrated, I think, one of the greatest election coups in history, the 1994 election. Where do both parties stand going into the fall contest?
1: Well, as I've written in a couple of newsletters at Gingrich 360, we're in the August cycle where the news media uses bad polls to convince itself everything is okay. The Democrats relax and think they're allowed to be as radical as they are. And then comes the fall. We went through this in 16, remember? Nobody in August of 16 thought Donald Trump could win and beat Hillary Clinton. Nobody in August of 15 thought Donald Trump could even be the nominee. Ronald Reagan in August of 80 was being described as a weak candidate and, of course, went on to win the largest electoral college victory against an incumbent president in American history. In August of 1994, no one gave us an opportunity to take a majority. In fact, I think on the weekend before the election, virtually nobody thought we had a chance to take the majority. So I've been on this roller coaster before. and I can tell you, when you look at accurate polls and you look, for example, at Trafalgar, which has a remarkable record, you look at things that Scott Rasmussen has been doing. Now, there's no question in my mind that Biden is so bad and the big government socialism is so destructive that you have a tsunami coming. And it's not just Republicans. I mean, you get huge majorities among independents and even a growing number of Democrats, which is why you're seeing, for example, in a recent special election in South Texas, a young woman who was born in Mexico, married to a border agent, wins a seat that had been very democratic because the Latino community has figured out that whether it's paying for gasoline, buying food, teaching your children the work ethic, being patriotic about America, on every one of these issues, the Democrats are failing. And we're seeing literally a hemorrhage of... Latino voters shifting towards the Republican Party. And I think you have with people like Kevin McCarthy, leaders who understand that welcoming them, I I just talked to him the other day when he'd been campaigning for three Latino members of Congress in the Republican Party in South Florida. And he gets it. He understands our future as a party is broader and deeper than the old Republican Party. And so I think this is going to be a great fall campaign.
0: It's remarkable to look at that. uh, The changes, the tectonic shift in plates below the political infrastructure of America. The Republicans have a chance to build a really large majority for 10 or 20 years. Do you think the messaging is right? If you look out and you say, hey, candidates in all of these key races, Dr. Oz, the young new Florida Latina nominees, what is the messaging that they need to take to really build a brand that resonates with the center of America?
1: I started working with Ronald Reagan in 1974, which was also the first year I ran for Congress and lost during Watergate. But the lessons I learned with Reagan were very simple, and they're what we applied in 1994 in the contract. The bigger the issue, the better we do. The more we are talking about people's lives, the better we do. I I tell every candidate, go stand at a gas station or a grocery store, and every person you're going to run into is going to be mad at Joe Biden. And just remind them that this campaign is about their family, their budget, their standard of living, their chance to have a job, and that on every one of those counts, the Democrats are on the wrong side. And then I would say, second, tie every campaign to Biden. So I talk about the Biden-Warnock ticket in Georgia. I never talk about Senator Warnock by himself. I would talk about the Biden-Kelly ticket in Arizona. In Arizona, I'd ask the question, why would Kelly vote for 87,000 new IRS agents? and no new border patrol agents. I mean, in Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, California, if you don't realize we don't have enough border patrol agents, you have to wonder where the guy's been spending his time, and we know where he's been spending his time, raising money in Hollywood and hanging out in Washington. Everywhere I went, you know, I would talk about the Biden-Masto ticket in Nevada as another example, or Biden-Bennett in Colorado. I would stick them with their voting record. Marcy Kaptur, longtime congresswoman from Toledo, just ran an ad about how she votes against Biden. Well, it's it's a lie. I mean, 97, 98 percent of the time, she's right down the line voting for big government socialism. And I think her opponent will probably end up beating her just on simple honesty.
0: Yeah, uh, it's amazing if you're a Democrat that you have to run ads attacking your own president. You know you're in trouble if that's the case. That's right. I want to take a couple of the big marquee races because I think they're bellwethers. and I want to go to Nevada because I actually think that's one of the sleeper races where Republicans could do really well. Strong candidate with great name recognition, that has the MAGA part of the Conservative Party really behind him, but he also seems to be able to translate and talk to everyday people in the middle. Is Nevada one of those states where Republicans could walk away with a Senate seat?
1: Well, look, I think Adam Laxalt may be the best prepared Senate candidate in the country. He's been attorney general, he's run statewide, he gets it. He has thought about this race for several years. Right. His opponent, the Democrat Masto, is in I think bad shape. Nevada is one of those states that was really hit hard by the lockdown. Remember, if you're in Las Vegas and no one's allowed to come and no one's allowed to stay in your hotel, whether you're a local worker in the in the kitchen or you're working on the floor or you're working uh, to clean the hotel, you didn't have any work. And so Nevada's had a uniquely hard hit economy. Uh, and I think as a result, uh, the the odds are pretty high that we're going to sweep the state, governor, senator, two or three extra House seats, uh, because I think people there are just fapping. They know that Bidenism, big government socialism doesn't work, and they feel it personally. Plus, if you're in any state where you have to drive long distances, the price of gasoline just kills you. And so somebody who's living in Henderson, for example, who has to drive downtown to work in Nevada, <clears throat> they're paying a lot for gasoline just to get to their job. And I think th- that's something that, you know, if you're a New York liberal or a San Francisco liberal, and you think, well, why don't they just go and get on the subway? Because you don't realize they don't have a subway. <laughs> exactly. Is <You know? laughs> that, that straightforward? Yeah. So, I mean, that to me, that's one of the marquee races. I actually think that Dr. Oz is going to end up beating his opponent. Yeah,
0: Fetterman. Yeah.
1: The radicalism that the Democrats are now putting out is so bad. That I think that it becomes for us a huge opportunity to be able to go out and to be able to find a way to win some races. You, you might have thought we would not win, and in fact, my newsletter today talks very specifically about that particular race uh, because I think that uh, when you come right down to it, uh, that, that John Fetterman is the the most radical. Democratic Senate candidate in the entire country.
0: When you look at just the things he said that he was comfortable saying. You know, about Pennsylvanians are such everyday, common, smart, common sense Americans. It, it has to be a disconnect between his rhetoric and his ideas for America and the hardworking.
1: I actually think guys ought to put out a bumper sticker that says, legalize heroin, vote Fetterman. <laughs> yeah. He has said he'd legalize heroin. So Let's let him own it. Yeah, it's
0: it's amazing to to see it. And it's clear he's suffered some uh, some setbacks with the stroke. He's clearly having trouble communicating. But the real thing for this race is on the issues, he doesn't match up with the everyday hardworking people in uh, Pennsylvania. And by the way, that's a state that has been hit hard by the opioid crisis, uh, hit hard by the fentanyl crisis. Having a guy that wants to make that sort of potential opioid drug more available it just doesn't seem to resonate. It's in suicide. Oh, uh,
1: it, it's it's the third highest rate of deaths by overdose in the country.
0: Isn't that amazing?
1: It's a mm. really big problem. I, as you know, I was born in Harrisburg. Right. I have relatives all around the Harrisburg area. you uh, <clears throat> so 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 Fetterman, I think, alienates Philadelphia, where there's a huge crime problem, because when he was as chairman of the parole board, uh, he voted twenty seven times to release murderers, and he was the only one of the five to vote yes. I mean, so you can tell how out of step he is. At the same time, he's against the oil and gas industry, which is the primary occupation of Western Pennsylvania, and he's too liberal for the center of the state, what's called the T. So, I, I think as this race shakes out, it's going to be fascinating to watch. Uh, I would say the that that J D Vance is almost certainly going to win in Ohio. Yeah. Ohio has been trending. Yeah, he's moved way. up and doing well. And we'll continue. Yeah. You know, and and so I look around the country. I see opportunities. In fact, I was just before you and I chatted talking with John McLaughlin, who believes that there's a, the pollster, who believes that there's a very real opportunity in Connecticut, and that uh, uh, the Democratic senators, I think it's 61% uh, reelect, I mean, 41% rather reelect. Similarly, in, in Colorado, Bennett is very, very weak. In New Hampshire, Hassan is probably the weakest Democrat incumbent in the country running this year.
0: Wow, I know there's been a, uh, Mitch McConnell's been a little cautious in the thing but there's actually a path this even though the, the the math is hard because of all the places where Republicans have to defend Senate seats uh, there seems to be more our optimism reason for optimism when you start to look at the individual races right
1: uh, Well look I, I participated in two sweeps in 1980 we did a capital steps event for the first time we had right. a contract for the first time we picked up 10 US Senate seats and won control of the Senate For the first time since 1954 in 1994 we had a capital steps event we had a contract we gained 10 governorships eight senate seats including control of the senate and of course won the house for the first time in 40 years so i have every reason to believe that mcconnell's going to have an absolute majority and probably a four or five seat majority and that uh, mccarthy may have the largest Republican House majority since uh,
0: 1920. Amazing. Yeah, no, it's a, it's interesting to watch because the media is downplaying it, but I think that the numbers are there to back it up. I want to go to one place a lot of people aren't thinking about, Oregon. You don't think, ah, Republican chances aren't that good. It seems like that governor's race in the aftermath of the Kate Brown fiasco as governor, uh, it seems like Republicans have a tremendous chance to win that that uh, governor's mansion. You're thinking on Oregon and why it might be in play. Well,
1: I mean, Oregon is beginning to be seriously in play. And in many ways, it was one of the most woke states and one of the, you know, a state where people tolerated uh, nightly riots and and, uh, thought it was all just, you know, just part of life. Uh, But I I would say there are at least two House seats that are up for play. And remember, in the governor's race, it's a three-way race. So that the Democrat uh, is is losing votes to a reform candidate. Uh, And uh, we have a very attractive candidate, and I think that uh, she has a very real opportunity to win that race.
0: Yeah, it's uh, I think one of those sleeper races.
1: By the way, I'd also say that that uh, Tiffany Smiley in Washington State has a very real chance to pull off an upset. She's a very attractive, intelligent person, and her personal story about uh, helping her husband uh, who was blinded and fighting for veterans' rights—I think everybody I've talked to says it's so compelling. In fact, a friend of mine just yesterday said he had a very liberal lawyer that he knows very well in Seattle, who said, damn, I'm voting for her. Amazing. And, uh, Patty Murray's useless. Uh, she's she, she's burned out. Yeah. And I think that Tiffany just has a great story.
0: We had her on the show last week. Uh, and she has a level of just common sense competence. She's not only common sense, she's gotten lots of things done without having to be a career politician. And I, I think that she's going to be, she's one another sleeper. You're mm-hmm. right. I think we should be watching that one. I want to turn to the house real quickly. Uh, you've got a tremendous slate of candidates, perhaps the best candidate recruitment in a very long time uh, for House Republicans. And it's diverse. There's lots of strong women. There's uh, military veterans. There are Latinos and Latinas. Um, Your thought about how important candidate recruitment has been to the potential success that we see in the fall?
1: Well, it really started two years ago. And I have to say that Tom Emmer has done an amazing job at the Congressional Campaign Committee and that uh, the team that uh, Kevin mccarthy has has organized around himself has really been remarkable uh and i think that uh with, with scalise and and with elise stefani they've really put together a recruiting effort that's amazing remember in 2020 all of the experts uh and i don't know why they're called experts because they're usually wrong but all of the experts <laughs> good point uh, said said that uh, the house republicans would probably lose 25 seats they gained 15. Now, that's a swing of 40 from where they were supposed to have been. Uh, and they were winning with, in every case, it was either a woman or a minority or both. Uh, and so they were broadening the nature of the party, winning seats that used to not be available. Uh, and McCarthy has continued this pattern. Uh, they have, I was just talking to the days in, I think, 25 districts in August – uh, and, and everybody else is pitched in. Scalise is out there campaigning. Stefanik's out there campaigning. Emmer, of course, is doing a great job nationwide. And part of it is a deliberate strategy, that they understand that having a broad base of people from a variety of backgrounds, particularly there's a simple way that, that Joe Gaylord, who was my partner in 94, put it to me last week. He said, the great revolution is if you, if you didn't go to a four-year college, you are increasingly likely to be Republican. And two out of three Americans may have gone to either a vocational school or a junior college and high school, but they didn't go to a four-year college. He said only the one-third that went to the four-year college is going to remain competitive for the Democrats. The two-thirds are coming our way, and that makes us, oddly, the mirror image of Franklin Delano Roosevelt's great majority. It, and it's amazing, isn't it? They flipped. Now, Well, you know, as that seeps into Latino communities, Asian American communities, Native Americans and African Americans, you see all of a sudden a Democratic Party whose base is smaller, which is why in Florida, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, Florida was uh, had probably a million, two hundred thousand Democratic registration advantage last year for the first time or this year for the first time. Florida now has a Republican registration majority. I mean those things are long, slow, long glaciers they keep coming they 're huge, and ultimately they really matter
0: ground game i mean we 're playing the, the, the conservative movement is now playing a ground game of doing the basics of of how you win elections from the ground up and it, this could have ten or twenty years of impact the way it 's been done it 's not oh let 's just have one race and blow it up. It seems like we 've learned the tactics of a how to to go out and build a, a long-term majority. It's all modeled after what you're talking about. I remember the research you did a year or two ago. Uh, the, the language that you suggested, the tactics you suggested are all being deployed. It seems like the idea has caught on and you deserve a lot of credit because that sort of thinking often doesn't happen in politics. Everybody's cursory. They, they're worried to the next minute of polit- politics, but you had a plan for really creating a messaging uh, base that would reach out to middle Americans Seems like most candidates are using it, right?
1: It's amazing, and I think that it will continue.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Uh, Let me ask one last question. I want to turn to some of the reporting we've done recently about Joe Biden and the Biden White House's role. Which which,
1: which I cannot praise highly
0: enough. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, facts are a stubborn thing, so they're good to get them out there. Um, There's a few things that we we now know. We know that before Barack Obama, former presidents had the assumption of executive privilege and, and an incumbent couldn't waive it. Then Barack Obama switched that around. Biden waves at least now, in 11 instances, Trump's privilege, uh, uh, including the privilege that he might have been able to claim uh, over the documents at uh, Mar-a-Lago. Uh, he looked in the camera, his podiums looked at the camera saying, I, I'm staying out of politics. I don't politicize the Justice Department. His uh, press uh, secretary feigned knowledge of anything about the Trump investigation. We now know they're involved is beyond the the technical part of this. Is there just a credibility gap for Joe Biden now, the guy who promised to be the straight talker?
1: Look, there shouldn't be a credibility gap. He's a liar. I mean, people ought to relax and say, you know, I was asked the night I was doing Hannity the night of Mar a and Sean said, I really wonder what they're going to say tomorrow morning, and, and I said, Sean, I don't care. They're going to lie. I mean, I mean, why why would why would you think that that there's anything that that they're going to say that's going to matter because they're a bunch of collective liars, and I think we have to understand we're not. This is not a normal political period. We have a semi-religious fanatic group who are determined to change the whole country. They think it's their duty to lie to us that we're too stupid, you know that that uh, that Hillary Clinton's description of us was right, uh, and that uh, therefore uh, they're going to run over us. And I, I keep telling lawyers, don't tell me about precedent with the Justice Department. This is the most corrupt, most political justice department in, in, in history.
0: You see it in the lack of trust. I mean even middle Americans, independents now have a grave distrust of the DOJ and FBI, which is a real problem because they're essential to our security, but it's earned, right
1: it, It's tragic, and I think Victor Davis Hanson has suggested ultimately it can't be corrected. we're just going to have to break it up into separate smaller agencies. Um, <clears throat> it is an enormous tragedy for America because at one time. The FBI was the gold plate worldwide of an honest system of integrity that had enormous technical capabilities and did a great job fighting crime. And, and I will say, on the last two directors, including Ray, uh, the, the corruption at the top is so sick. The things they do are so blatant uh, that uh, you know if, if we had any other than you and, and Fox and Newsmax and a handful of places. If if the propaganda media was doing its job, The Washington Post, The New York Times, et etc., uh, this would be a gigantic scandal and the country would be up in arms and totally enraged.
0: Ron Johnson has a letter out today where FBI whistleblowers specifically told the senator that they were told they couldn't investigate Hunter Biden because it would affect the election investigation. That's not the FBI we were supposed to have. We're supposed to make these decisions uh, free of politics, and now we know they weren't. Mr. Speaker, it is an honor to have you on this show every time, and I can't thank you enough for all you've done for your country, and can't wait to see the next few months. A lot of history to unfold.
1: It sure is, and I look forward to chatting again sometime.
0: Thank you, sir. All right, folks, we are to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. House Nutrition, and, of course, Field of Greens. All you got to do to take advantage of this offer, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Don't wait. Go to fieldofgreens.com today. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS for 15% off. Folks, if you get your wallet stolen or your cell phone or your car, we know what it is. It's old-fashioned theft. It's crime. We know it. Criminals now have a new way to steal our most valuable asset, our homes. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. We just heard the former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, say that Oregon is going red in November. That is a big prediction. A lot of people are leaning in that direction there's a good reason for it. The nominee for governor there is tearing it up. She's having an extraordinary run. People are excited, ready for a change in Oregon. And we're lucky right now to have her on the show right now. Her name is Christine Drazen. She's the former leader of the Republican Party in the House, State House there. And she's now the nominee for governor. Christine, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Thanks so much for having me.
0: The idea that we could be talking about a red Oregon would seem foreign given the last two decades of history, but there's extraordinary momentum in the state. Your, your candidacy has caught on. Why do you think that's happening? I know There's a lot of unpopularity for Kate Brown, but you seem to have an agenda that's really catching people in the middle.
2: We are finding Oregonians want change because of the lives we've been living under Democrat control. And it hasn't just been COVID. It really has been a decade of single party control in Oregon. And you look around our beautiful state, and if you haven't been here before, you really need to come. Come visit; it's an amazing, beautiful place. But we have a homeless crisis in our streets. We have a crisis in our schools, and and we have crime rates, particularly in our urban core, that are that are making everybody less safe. Our you know local mayor in the city of Portland, who was basically asleep at the switch um, throughout all of the hundred plus days of rioting in Portland has kind of woken up a little bit and decided to clear homeless camps on the route for kids to walk to school. I can't believe he had to declare an emergency to get that done. That's the state that we find ourselves in in Oregon and Oregonians deserve change. They need it and they're looking for it. And this election, this race is the opportunity to really turn this beautiful state
0: around. One of the great things about voters, they have a longer term memory than a lot of the Democratic politicians give them credit. And they remember those riots in 2020, the lawlessness that occurred, the lockdowns of Kate Brown. It seems like it's all coming to bubble, but your ability to also address the education issue has really stood out. A lot of Republicans around the country have mentioned it to me. And it's fun because you start your political career really at the local school board level, right? You work on the budget committee, you work your way up. Education seems to be one of the most important issues, and Democrats don't really have a good counter for it right now, do they?
2: Well, in particular in Oregon, their response to having you know, students of color in Oregon really lagging behind all other groups—I mean, on par with our homeless students—is really the testing that we were finding here in Oregon for, for those populations. And their response to that wasn't interventions to support those kids, wasn't to reach in and to, to say we're going to connect, we're going to connect with them more and, and better understand what they need. It was to abandon test requirements. It was to abandon graduation requirements and to, and to really hide the fact that kids in Oregon schools were not being well served by a system that is really driven by politics and not outcomes for students. And so I, you know, I'm, I'm a mom of three. You know, My kiddos went to public schools and, and I care really deeply about, about our public education system. And what I have really discovered in all this is we need a couple things. We need accountability. We need high expectations and we need an awful lot more opportunities for families to make choices that better serve their own students.
0: Yeah, it's it's absolutely stunning to see the disconnect over years. There is this for the longest part of American education, probably its richest part, parents were always given the deference and the respect that it's their children, but there seems to be this greater mentality now that the children are the governments and the parent should be sitting in the back seat. It seems like parents have come back with a, uh, like yourself, come back with a very strong message. Heck no, that's not the way this is going to (laughs) go. The agenda that you put together in terms of just being able to say, here's how you can fix it. We don't have to abandon it. It's not beyond the prepare. We just got to get back to the basics. It seems like that's really catching up. Another thing, the economy has been pretty tough in Oregon, right? You've got lagging uh, indicators, on unemployment, energy seems to be incredibly expensive. I think people like the approach that you're proposing for energy independence, don't they?
2: Yeah, here here in Oregon, in particular, we have had we have this amazing legacy of hydropower, right? And it's given us access to reliable, affordable, you know, you know, no no emission energy source in the Pacific Northwest for for years and years now, and we have leaders that are pursuing an alternative to that, saying it's not green enough, it's not good enough, and we should take out the dams with no backup. No backup. They're talking about putting us, exposing us to, in Oregon to solar, which I love my place, but you know we get a little bit of rain here, to solar and wind with inadequate storage and the expectation of rolling brownouts and higher costs across the board, as they say, even natural gas isn't good enough. They really are cutting off their nose despite their own face here in my state. And our economy, uh, you know, Oregon families, we don't run, you know, we don't run on solar and wind here um, exclusively. We've got to have access to affordable, consistent, reliable energy sources. And sitting leadership doesn't see that. They are prioritizing this global agenda rather than recognizing the impacts it has on businesses and families here in our own state.
0: It's pretty amazing. All one needs to do is look just a little south to Oregon, just to California, to understand if you put the cart before the horse, all of a sudden, your rates go up, first off. I mean, the California electric rates jump faster than gasoline.
2: Oh, my goodness.
0: And their are shortages. They, they don't have a long-term solution to fulfill the demand, which is really remarkable. One of the things that I think also has resonated in your campaign, tell us about your relationship with police. You've got so many of the men and women of blue behind you. They've been the forgotten frontline officers in the last two years as Democrats have sort of preached a lawless agenda, right?
2: Yeah, you know, uh, police in Oregon, they, they need leadership that's going to back them up that's going to gonna respect the critical role that they play in our communities and ensuring community safety, and they haven't had that. In this very difficult time across our nation, and particularly in Oregon, we have had leaders that have treated police like criminals and criminals like victims, and and that has left us all less safe. And so, you know, I'm committed to ensuring that we fully fund our, our troopers and that we support law enforcement because we can't have safe communities without them. I respect them. I'm grateful for them. And that's the kind of leadership that they're looking for and that they need. And I'm, I'm grateful to have the endorsement, you know, of the chiefs and the sheriffs and, and, and the folks that are, that are really doing the hard work on the ground, and putting their lives on the line every single day. And, 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 and you know, they deserve our support. Our communities need them. And when you're talking about a 207% increase in murder rates in the city of Portland alone in the last two years. It's mind boggling, isn't it? Our community needs them. Yes, it is. It is. It is dangerous in portions of this community where in a six month period, uh, law enforcement picked up over 3000 casings. And I mean, think about how much gunfire that is in a community and in a neighborhood. We need law enforcement to be present. We need to restore uh, peace and order, and certainly we need to restore the rule of law in our own state. And um, I'm just grateful for our law enforcement community, and I know the critical role that they play. And, and they have not had a leader that has seen that in a long time.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty darn remarkable to see the frustration that's built up, and also the disconnect. I mean, whatever you want to say about Denver, they, they seem to really believe their agenda, but it's completely disconnected from the reality of everyday people who are they just want their kids to be safe in the backyard when they're playing and not have to walk by drug dealers going to the school, and they not have to pay $6 gasoline. And they've been getting a complete mouthful of a different sort of agenda. There's two months to the election. The race has now been moved to toss up by most of the respected pollsters. That is a real sign of momentum. What is the key for you in the last two months of the election? What do you do to try to close the deal with the great voters of Oregon?
2: I am talking to folks every single day in every single corner of my state about the importance of just improving quality of life here and returning, returning the expectation that government serves the people and not the other way around. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna it's gonna, to it's gonna be a very tight race. I need Oregonians to vote. I need them to choose change. You know, I'm going to raise the money and do the hard work uh, to get out there and introduce myself and talk about the issues that matter to people. But in a midterm election like this, the most important thing is we need Oregonians to believe and know in their hearts that they can have change in this beautiful state, Uh, but that they need to vote, they need to turn out, and they need to make the decision to reject the policies and and frankly reject single-party control in this state. We need balance, we need accountability, we need a new direction. And that's what we're talking to Oregonians about every single
0: day. You have the perfect introduction to your Twitter feed because you, you lay out an agenda that most people just nod their head at when you say, am just going to read it. I want to fix our schools, keep our community safe, and make Oregon more affordable. How about that? That's a, I think that's the top three priorities that most people identify when you do polling of Americans right now. Christine, real quick, how do people follow you, get involved if they're motivated and excited what they heard today? What's the best way for them to engage your campaign down the stretch?
2: I would love it if people would visit my website, which is christinefororegon.com. And of course, you can find me on social media platforms at Christine Drazen. And uh, thank you so much for having me on today.
0: Yeah, real honor. We're going to be keeping a close eye on this, hopefully get you back on the show before Election Day. But congratulations on all the momentum in the state. It's going to be, I think, one of the big surprises on November 8th. Great to meet you.
2: You too. Thank you so much.
0: All right. Thanks again. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up right after this. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. And use the promo code JustNews50 to get 50% off. That's the code JustNews50 at Factormeals.com. One more time, Factormeals.com slash JustNews50. Use the JustNews50 code and you will get 50% off your first order. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. It's time to wrap up the show. Big thank you to Newt Gingrich. Big thank you to Christine Drazen. I think you understand now why she's connecting with the Republican voters and the independent voters and even some Democratic voters in Oregon. It's a very important race. I mean, it's still a Democratic state, so we're gonna have to watch it, but the fact that it's moved into the toss-up category is a really important news story, and I think we're gonna enjoy that. Hey, definitely tune in tomorrow. We're gonna have another great show, just like we had today. What a great show. The one of the pollsters who, over the last five to seven years, has been consistently right when the rest of his industry has been consistently wrong, is joining us. He's Robert Cahaley, the head of the Trafalgar Group, and his polls have just been so spot on the money. You see them often at Just the News. I feel very lucky that we're able to cover those polls, And, and uh, but he's going to be here to describe his thoughts on the election, the House, the Senate, governor's races, and the issues driving America. Is it the economy? Is it crime? Is it schools? Is it student loan debt cancellation, which, by the way, Joe Biden did today, $10,000 in debts for current students, which means all those who met their debt obligations in the past, paid off their loans. Well, we got nothing. What an unfair system in America. And I think there's real questions about the legality of that decision. But uh, we'll, we'll cover that more down the road. But Robert Cahaley from the Trafalgar Group here tomorrow. That's going to be a really fun Really important conversation. Let's definitely check that out and be on top of things. All right, folks, before we go, you know at this point in the show every day, I try to shout out our incredible partners. And we have many of them. They've got great products, great services. They're committed to making Just the News and John Solomon Reports and Just the News, Not Noise successful. I appreciate that. And if you want to do something to support the journalism we do here, the stories we do here, the great reporters and the podcasters and all that we have here, well, you can support our... Advertisers, check out their products, take advantage of the incredible offers that they provide us because you are in the Justin News family. And one of them is my good friends at My Patriot Supply, which is really one of the most trustworthy emergency food businesses in the world. They People trust them. They've got all sorts of five-star ratings, unbelievable number of satisfied customers and they're important all the time, but they're really important now because you see the reports from the United Nations, from the U.S. intelligence community that we may be heading, the world may be heading into a global food crisis. Local economies across the world can trigger civil unrest as starvation or food shortages often do. Some places have food and energy shortages. Eastern Europe, were are really worried about that this fall. So There could be a crisis on the horizon. That's what the experts are saying. That's what our government is saying. That's what some of the intelligence experts we brought on the show are saying. That means you should be prepared. Don't get caught up in the crisis. Don't be caught flat-footed. And it's not that hard to be prepared. All you have to do is get an emergency food supply. And the best way to do for that is to do it and save some money, right? Well, my good friends at my Patriot Supply, have arranged for you and all of the Just the News family members to save $250. I said that right. You're not hearing that wrong. Not $2.50, not $25, but $250 savings if you buy a three-month emergency food kit. And they've done something real special for me. I'm kind of flattered by this. They created a URL with my name in it. It's called Prepare with Solomon. Prepare with S-O-L-O-M-O-N.com. You go to preparewithsolomon.com. You're going to see all of the opportunities. You get the chance to get that three-month supply, and you're going to save $250. Take this off your worry list. Check the checklist. Have the food. It lasts forever. It's got a great long shelf life, many years of shelf life. And by the way, it has enough for three meals a day, 2,000 calories a day, the right recommended allowance for sustainable energy and health. Just do it. Put it on the shelf. You never have to worry about it again. If a hurricane comes along, an earthquake, or natural disaster, or if we do head into some difficult times and you go back to the store and you see empty shelves, you got a backup now. You and your family and your friends can live with comfort knowing you got this taken care of. My friends at My Patriot Supply, they got you covered. Get this off your worry list. There's no reason to be worried about it. Do the right thing. It's inexpensive. It's an incredible deal at $250 for a three-month supply for you and your family. All right, folks, check that out. Remember, preparewithsolomon.com. How easy is that to remember? Really grateful that my Patriot Supply team gave us that incredible URL. How cool is that? All right, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Justin News. We'll be back tomorrow. Check us out tonight on the Just the News, Not Noise TV show. We got a lot of good guests in the hopper, including a good discussion on what else we're learning about the raid on President Trump, Joe Biden's role, Barack Obama setting it up, as I mentioned at the top of the show with that executive order change 13 years ago. We're going to have all of that for you tonight. All right. God bless you. Have a great night. God bless this extraordinary country of the United States as he always has. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. History, economics, the great works of literature, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution. Did you study these things in school? Probably not. Or even if you did, like I did, maybe it's time for a refresher. Time and technology have changed a lot of things, but they have not changed basic fundamental truths about the world and our place in it as America. That's why I'm so excited that Hillsdale College is offering more than 40 free online courses in the most important and enduring subject. You can learn about the works of C.S. Lewis, the stories in the book of Genesis, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution, the rise and fall of the Roman Republic, or the history of the ancient Christian church with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, you heard me, for free. You don't get anything free in the Biden economy today. I personally recommend you sign up for the American citizenship and its decline. It's with my good friend, the great historian, Victor Davis Hanson. In this eight-lecture course, VDH, as I like to call him, explores the history of citizenship in the West and the threats it faces today. Threats like the erosion of the middle class, the disappearance of our borders, the growth of an unaccountable deep state, and the rise of globalist organizations. The course is self-paced so that you can start whenever and wherever. So start your free course, American Citizenship and its Decline, with my good friend, Victor Davis Hanson, today. How do you do that? Go right now to hillsdale.edu justnews to start. It's free, and it's easy to get started, and it's an easy URL to remember. All you got to do, go to hillsdale.edu justnews. One more time, hillsdale.edu justnews. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out.